Hi, I'm Marianne Talkovsky, and you're listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With over a decade of experience as a holistic health practitioner and face reader, I've read hundreds of faces and elevated how many people see themselves. Every person's facial features tell a story of who they are and who they came to be. And in this podcast, you will hear what people see and learn about themselves while looking in the mirror. You won't want to miss an episode, so be sure to subscribe. Herbie Mitleide has overcome a dysfunctional family where both her parents were mentally ill. She's overcome rape, abuse, poverty, divorce, and cancer. She believes that when you understand that your life experiences are as valid and authentic as any self-help book, you're able to find your own answers and trust your own knowing. Listen as she shares what she feels humanity needs the most. Okay, so Marianne Talkovsky with Humanity Speaks, The Human in the Mirror, and I'm here with Corby Mitleid. Said that right? Yes, you did. Corby Mitleid. Excellent. I am so happy to be chatting with you. Like I mentioned when we had a moment, I saw your application notes, and I I just love the things that you wrote. So this is going to be fun. Um, Let's just dive in. So. So I always have people start with looking at their reflection in the mirror. And this is important because listeners may or may not be seeing a photo of you in front of them that's attached to the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So Corby, what do you see? What do you see when you look at your reflection? How would you describe your features, your face and, and what you see? I see an old tired face with a lot of experience in it. Um, I see, um, a double chin. I see jowls. I see dark circles under the eyes. I see wrinkles between the eyelashes. Um, but I'm 66 and life has not been easy. And so it's just where it is. Okay. And is there a feature that you are particularly not so fond of? Oh yeah. The bulldog jowl and the crepey neck. Okay. Um, You know, when you've never had kids, you're always just the biggest kid in the room. And the passage of time doesn't hit you the way it does when you have a kid. It's pre-K and then, oh, look, it's middle school. Oh, look, he's graduated high school. So all of you know, you're always 30 in your head. And then you look in the mirror and you think, Jesus, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've, I've gotten used to it. I mean, you know, I'm four years short of 70. Yeah. So I have to face to face. Thank you, Pete Townsend. <laughs> I love it. And is there a feature that you love? You like or love? Facially, love Facial. my eyes. And the hair is still good. Your hair is phenomenal. I I mean, I know we can't make eye contact on Zoom or, you know, but I'm seeing your eyes and they're open. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I definitely want to dive into what I see in your face. Your hair, you have this, is this, is this a great Well, I call it my skunk stripe. Everyone else says, it's your wisdom streak. I've been um, gray since I was 28, but this was the color it was, you know, yay for better living through chemistry. But I keep the (laughs) 
the silver. So black now. Black? Well, it's brown? about three and a half breaths above black. It's very okay. deep brown. Um, but I keep the silver streak because it helps me remember why the face looks the way it does. Mm. And I don't look like all the little Italian American grandmothers with the black shoe polish hair at age 94 and a half. So. <laughs> okay. So the wisdom streak and your eyes, tell me what you love about your eyes. Um, they are very intense. They're very straight. Um, I don't hide who I am. So you look me in the eyes and yeah, you're going to get hit upside the head with a clue brick. Sorry. That's just how I am. Yes. Yes. So you don't hide who you are. So talk to me about, I mean, you shared, you've come from a dysfunctional family, your parents mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then dead 20 years, one dead's 40. So we can talk about it. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a very dysfunctional family. Um, three bouts of breast cancer, two divorces. Um, I didn't finish college, which in my family is considered, you know, a real failure. I was the black sheep of the family. Everything I did in their eyes was a failure. Even my career now, um, I love my brother dearly, but he will not even say the word psychic. He tells people I'm a motivational speaker. So all of my life, I've been the rebel. All of the life, I've had to be me in spite of what I was told about me. Mm. And but that was it's, a very it's why it's why I can do the work I do now because I have a great deal of compassion for people that have not had an easy road. Mm-hmm. I, and I was asking, um, was that imprinted upon you at a very young age? Oh yeah. Um, Not that I remember, but the family legend is that my mother was in a mental institution for 18, uh, a a year or so, maybe from the time I was six months old to the time I was 18 months old. And I was raised by a series of nurses and, and a crazy grandmother. I mean, what's that going to do with a kid? Um, One of my mother's favorite phrases was, I think I'm wonderful and you don't deserve me. She was an alcoholic cross addicted with barbiturates. So she would um, say that to you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, I was, you know, by the age of 11 and I looked normal, but that's when she frog marched me to Weight Watchers back when ketchup was illegal, et cetera. So I've always had an image of myself as fat and ugly because that's what she kept saying constantly. And I had to fight that into my forties. So 11, you're at Weight Watchers, rejecting your body. Mm-hmm. You're looking at yourself, things you're saying mm-hmm. to yourself, basically a conditioning of what your mother. Right. And I hit puberty very early. By the time I was 11, I was growing into the body that literally looked like a Dolly Parton brunette. Mm. And so the body always looked like all I was good for was sex. Nothing else mattered. And that was another thing that she told me when I was 16 in a very traumatic incident. And I believed her. So 
um, it is no surprise that my karmic lesson was to try to accept myself as a valid female. And I kept devolving into the all I'm good for is sex to the point where my higher self, my soul said, look, we need you down there to do a lot of work. So we're going to remove the problem. That's when I got my third bout of breast cancer. It was the second primary, turned the danger cycle down to zero. But they said, three strikes, you're out. We're taking the boobs, we're taking the ovaries, and we're going to take you from this Dolly Parton figure with a libido of a 17-year-old boy to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects. So much internal damage, sex will be impossible. How old are you? 49. I had just been married a year and a half. First marriage? Third. Finally got the right guy. We are still married, but it has been work. Yeah. Relationships are, I always say, the hardest ship you're ever going to be in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first my first two husbands, they would have been gone. This mm. one, he's my hero. Oh, I love that. I love that you've found that. Cultivated it, it sounds yes. like. Wow. Wow. Okay. So that sounds like there's a lot of uh, body rejection a lot of even self-identity rejection. And then you've got that reflected from all members of the family. Pretty much. Um, Though I always knew how bright I was. I always knew how massively creative I was. I always knew I had magic. I just had to find a way to get it out. So in the past 20 years, when I had been a psychic medium and a past life specialist full-time, I know exactly who I am inside. The outside is the problem, Mm -hmm. but I have learned that my opinion of what I look like really doesn't matter because it's other people who see me and however they feel is fine for them. So do you feel like there's still a rejection going on about your external appearance? Oh, sure. I hate getting old. I'm a baby boomer. We all hate getting old. Yeah, We invented never trust anyone over 30. It's really ingrained in our culture, isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. so crazy. I mean, you go to other countries and you hear how elders are revered for their wisdom. And yes. in here, here, women are thrown on the dung heap at age 50 and you have to fight for everything. It's one of the few good things about being a psychic. As we get older, people think we're smarter, we're wiser. So age does not hit us. As hard. I mean, I used to be an executive recruiter for engineering and manufacturing. Once a woman hit 50, you couldn't send her out for anything Mm. because she was considered too old to be worth anything. Mm -hmm. Well, I would love to share with you what I see in your face from. Go ahead. Yeah, based on what you shared with me, there's a couple of wonderful things that I want to point out, um, especially about the features that you had shared, you know, are challenging Mm -hmm. to accept. The um, the bulldog gels. <laughs> so this place on your face is what's uh, known as a really, really phenomenal reserve in Chinese face reading. It's called money bags. And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's all about money. It's really about your ability to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that was necessary for you through times of challenge through trauma, even, you know, to be resourceful is a gift. It's, it's part of the resilience. So you have a knack for it, Corby. Um, 
And, and so when you look at this area here, um, the gel area that you feel is, is prominent, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good sign. It shows that resourcefulness. Okay. The other thing I see, you talked about this intensity in your eyes with the dark circles and then the intense gaze. So there's a couple of things here. The dark circles that um, I always share a feature can represent one of three things. Mm -hmm. One time of life. So this is the area of late thirties. Mm -hmm. So if there is a specific situation that happened that there's still some processing, you know, you may be mm -hmm. holding on to, it will get mm -hmm. stuck in the form of stagnation and show in what's mm -hmm. called unshed tears. And so that's emotional as well. So it could be something happened in the time of life around that age that there's still a little bit more work to do of letting go. Um, or it could be just emotionally something that's been held on throughout your entire life. And then the third thing would be physical, which that area represents three major organs, mainly the spleen and the kidney, but also the liver. So kidney mm -hmm. specifically, if you've got urination issues, low back pain, um, a lot of sexual traumas, Mm -hmm. um, and then spleen would be digestive. So mm -hmm. all of that is interesting. The low back pain is L4, L5 discs are kind of having tantrums. Um, diet has changed from keto to Mediterranean, much lighter, much healthier, and the circles are less dark. Um, kidney and liver issues, no problems. I'm very good about going to the doctor. All my numbers are perfect. So I would say trauma, yes, diet somewhat, and we're clearing it up. Okay, wonderful. Well, and then the other thing I wanted to say about your eyes. So in Chinese face reading, there's this, um, there's this concept called Shen, and Shen is what's known as the spirit. And it's housed in our heart, but it reflects through our eyes on our face. Mm -hmm. And there are five different elements in Chinese medicine. And each of those elements has a specific expression of spirit expression of mm -hmm. Shen mm -hmm. intense. It's called peach luck, Shen peach luck, intense. Okay. Peach luck. And this is like your magnetism factor or how you communicate your spirit with the world. Mm -hmm. Intense peach luck is the wood element. And it is very direct. It is very like, pioneering and authoritative <laughs> it's very nice. like this is how it is you know yep. like, what's next moving forward check this off you know it's very like da, 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 da. like no messing around no dilly dallying we've got things to do you know places to go people to see very very direct um and there's no guessing it is like leadership energy um, and it can be very intimidating. So yes, yes, <laughs> I know it. You know, uh, more than once I've been told that I'm a charismatic. You either love me or you hate me. There is no yeah, she's all right. And I've kind of just gotten used to that, and I've learned um, that my two magic phrases in life are "thank you for sharing." You may think that if you wish, <laughs> and then I go and I do what I need to do. That's that's so. great. That's great. It's part of also um, being comfortable in your in your wisdom and your old. You know, you're you're getting older, so mm -hmm. um, 
And then the other thing I wanted to mention that I see in your face. Okay. So this is, this is interesting. You have these authoritative cheekbones. So again, that just, I mean, I see really, really strong leadership. You could really, really direct people. And again, that whole pioneering, like you said, rebel energy where you had to, you were the black sheep and you had to, you know, um, buy for yourself. Right. Again, that is also leadership energy. Um, so you using your resources managed to find that way of navigating through life, Mm -hmm. which from, from what you've shared so far, I do notice your brows, which is, this is also a wood area on the face. They're very Mm -hmm. strong. They're very, they're thick. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is also a sign of strong wood. However, they're rounded and roundedness Mm -hmm. in any feature shows me a strong earth sign. Jowls are also earth and Mm -hmm. earth is about, um, being nourishing. I know you said you don't have kids, but it is maternal energy. It is very nurturing, Mm -hmm. um, caring, being concerned about other people and their comfort. I don't know if that shows up for you in any way, because I know you're very strong, but I will tell you that the earth does, the earth features do soften the wood. So, well, my, remember I called, um, my, uh, crow, my raven, Ma Feathers, which is kind of my nickname. Uh, there's always room under the wing and an extra worm if you need it. When I would do, uh, psychic fairs, I was always the one that had the dot kit with everything you could possibly need, aspirin, allergy drugs, needle and thread, etc. And, um, I do have what I call nieces by affection in that these are teenagers that I adore and it's very much like I'm Auntie Corby. So yes, the nurturing is there. I just knew when I was 13 that I did not want to be a mother and I stuck to it and then I have no regrets. Yeah. So I just mom in a different way. Yeah. And just for reference, because I know you and I were talking about your photo Mm -hmm. before um, we hopped on the call. So your photo has a picture of moth feathers, which is my my chrysanthemum stone raven, who was she's my brand. She always traveled with me to all my shows. And she thought that the decorations on my front table at Psychic Bears was all about her. And she's she's my nickname. Corby is. Gaelic. Corby is Gaelic for Raven. Um, because of the kind of business I do, I chose a reader's name, if you will, and I explained to people that Reginald Dwight became Elton John, and my legal name became Corby Mitlide for privacy's sake, so I didn't get calls at three in the morning. Corby is chosen because it is Raven, and Raven are my babes my birds. Mitleid is the German word for compassion to remind me why I'm doing my work all the time. Mm. So you're talking about your work. Let's talk about that. Let's, I'd love to hear, how did you get into this line of work? How did you know you were psychic? All right. Now that's the 30 second elevator speech. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I wanted to go find it. 
Fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school. I was working part-time at Spencer Gifts, and they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. Because <laughs> we were all hippies then. We had our elephant bell bottoms and the fringe jackets and the deck. Five years later, everyone else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading because the cards fascinated me. So for 20 years, I read for family and friends and keeping my ego out of the way. All of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's basically when the universe handed me my draft notices and said, greetings, you're working for us. So I did it part-time while I was still an actress, an author, an inspirational speaker, a video producer, graphic novel, work for hire, executive recruiter. But 9-11, my husband and I watched the towers burn. And I said, I need to do this work full time. People will need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So for a year, I still worked 70 hours a week as the executive recruiter, working evenings and weekends as a psychic. Once I knew I could make a living at it, turned my back on corporate and I have never looked back. Now it's six days a week. I read 1,200 people a year. I've written books. I'm in books. And I get to get up every morning. I don't have to get up every morning. Big difference in that one word. Yes, I agree. That's, wow, what a discovery and a journey. Mm-hmm. Been fun. Got <laughs> lots of stickers on the suitcase. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you love most about reading for people? I show them that I am not a Madam Hoo-Ha or a Swami Swalanda. I am not going to tell them that they have a family curse and I can fix with a $600 candle. <laughs> but it's hearing opportunities. I've before, by the way, I have gone to a psychic and they have proposed me paying $600 for a candle. Go on. That's, oh, seriously, seriously. I have written a book to help people avoid that. Um, because What's the book I, called? The book is called... The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. I love it. I love it. Um, So it's here are the opportunities and here's how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. I do deep dish readings. I mean, I'm a certified tarot master. If you asked me, you said, I want to open up a consignment shop. I wouldn't flip a couple of cards and say, well, wait until October and fire the second redhead. What the hell? It's a card for you or card for the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it. Clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. My job is to teach you how to ask empowering questions. Don't ask me yes or no. Ask me, how do I? And take your life and put a rocket pack on your back. I do that through standard reading. I do it through uh, past life retrieval and analysis. I do it through uh, certain of my consultations, things like create your sentence of passion, brainstorm your new age business. Um, The psychic intuitive stuff is wonderful, but I am not a fortune teller. I am an intuitive consultant and you come to me because you want to take your life to the next level. Yeah. So what are some common themes that you see when you're reading for people? Like what, what comes up a lot? Oh, 95%. The first things are some version of does Bruce love me? (laughs) Um, So yes, it's romance, but um, again, it's, I'm 
I'm not going to lie to you. You're not going to bully me and ask, you know, how people ask the same question with 14 different shades, hoping mm-hmm. that the psychic will finally say, yes, he loves you and wants seven babies with you, but he doesn't know it yet. No. <laughs> um, they ask about career. Parents ask about their kids. They ask, how do I find happiness? And then, you see, tarot is great for your everyday tour bus. But these days, we have things called oracle cards, Mm -hmm. which everybody can invent their own kind. And some of them are good about relationships, and some of them are great for finding compassion in your life, and some of them are good for your serious lessons. And I even have one particular deck for children. I don't generally read children, but if I'm sitting at a psychic fair and I'm reading a woman and her little six-year-old is getting very ritzy and wants to pull a card, if you don't have a child's deck and you let them pull from a standard tarot deck, you might go, oh, look, Johnny, it's the death card. And what are you going to tell the kid? So you have a children's deck so that what they pull is completely safe. And the mother just mouths the word, thank you, because now the kid will shut up and let her finish her reading. So. <laughs> wow. So that's what must have happened more than once, huh? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. It Enough to create a card deck. I love it. Okay. So you've talked about compassion and you even chose Midlide to represent that. What, right. what makes compassion so important to you? There's a big difference between pity and compassion. Pity is, oh, isn't that a shame? Compassion is, I am you. I could be there. Um, Compassion is the realization that none of us are special. We're not. Um, All of us can go through the same stuff. You don't know what someone has gone through. Someone could come to your booth and be snarky and nasty. But if you're tuned into compassion and you have good underhearing, which is what I call when you know what's behind the words, then you can punch right through and say, Amanda, there's something that is ripping you up inside. And I get that. You you can drop the shielding, drop the pretense and tell me what it is so we can get to work. Not having compassion means I go, oh, well, what a bitch. I don't want to read her. Um, Compassion also reminds you that the money is nice. We all deserve to make a living, but that's not what you're here for. Um, It's also one of the reasons I'm a reverend. It's non-denominational, but before it was the law of the land, I had a lot of friends who batted for the same team. And if they wanted sacred ceremony, I was going to give it to them. Who says that falling in love because you have the same suit as the person you're in love with means you can't get married? It's not my gig. Compassion is for people who don't give it to themselves and who need to know that somebody out there is willing to look at them once and all. Was there a time in your life that you were needing compassion and you didn't have it? Most of it, most of my life. So how were you able to source this, not experiencing it? An awful lot of inner work, an awful lot of deep trance work, 
Um, there was a wonderful place called the Option Institute in Massachusetts that I worked with for many years. And it taught me to always ask three questions. It's the core of everything. Number one, what are you X about? X is upset or angry or fearful. Number two, why are you X about that? And the magic question that no one ever asked themselves, what do you think would happen if you stopped being X about that? I learned that I could let go of the pain and the grief and, and the, they all must think I'm terrible. What happens if you start thinking differently and the world shifted? So I learned to be non-judgmental about myself. I learned to be in the present moment. I learned that it was okay to look at the positive. So I grew compassion within myself. And because I know how painful it is not to have it, that's core of my work. Another example of your resourcefulness. Mm. <laughs> Those bulldog jowls, I got to tell you, yeah. they've served you well. I, um, I would love to hear, Corby, what you think. Um, is there... Is there an area of humanity that you feel needs the most compassion right now, calling for the most compassion right now? Kids, teenagers. You know, in the 1970s, when I was started 15 to 25, 70s for me, the world was not going to die. America had never been invaded. There was hope. There was not the massive um, gap between CEOs and your standard worker. We had lives. We could have lives. We had hope. Kids today have no hope. And I can understand why they say, okay, boomer. Because there is a simmering anger and resentment that we had it. And they don't. And they blame us for losing it for them. Is that correct? No. Is it humanity? Yes. But the, I understand why the kids are so furious and so afraid. It happens when civilizations need to change. I won't say die, but I'll say need to change. And hopefully the kids now, Gen Z, will make the changes that we saw needed to happen, but could not bring to fruition. Hmm. And so what kind of changes do you feel need to be made? In the world or with kids? Kids just need to be listened to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, look at Greta Thunberg. Mm -hmm. um, changes that need to be made, at least here in the United States. Um, Look, I'll, I'll just admit it. A lot of what Joe Biden is putting forward is absolutely on target. We need the wealthy to pay their taxes. We need kids to not get out of four years of college and then they're in debt for the rest of their lives because they can never pay off the student debt because of the way it is structured. Um, people should not be afraid that they're going to go bankrupt if they need surgery or die because they can't afford their insulin. That's what needs to change. We generally, people have seen compassion 
as a sucker deal. And that has happened since the 1980s. We have to make changes. Mm. You mentioned something about thinking like a Martian. Mm -hmm. What is, talk to me about that. And I see that in in the, in the notes. Um, Yeah. Um, Thinking like a Martian, if a Martian, or let's even make him farther out, let's say he's a Zorchian from planet Zorch. And he has been sent down to look at humanity and find out all he can. And he's really excited and he's kind of running around seeing what he can see. Um, If you and I were sitting together and water was coming out of your eyes, I might say, why are you crying? But the little guy from Zorch would look at you and go, why is there water coming from your eyes? Because he doesn't know from emotion. (laughs) And asking the simple question only about what he sees, he might get a, a more correct answer. Maybe your contact lenses are bugging you. Maybe you have allergies, or maybe there's an emotional basis. When we think like Martians, we put aside any idea that we know what's going on, and we just ask. Opportunities open up. My favorite example of this, there was a man, he was married, he had a kid. He was in a bad car accident that made his face basically basically look like spin art, really deformed. And he was so embarrassed by the way he looked that he'd always hide and things like that. But he was still married with kids. One night he was putting his daughter to bed and she grabs his face and she smushes it next to hers. And she says, wow, this would be a good picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Now, old him would have thought, oh my God, even my daughter thinks I'm hideous. He had learned how to think like a Martian. So he just turns and he asks her that question. Why would it be a better picture if mommy's face were in the picture? And she looks at him like he's an idiot and says, because mommy can't hold the camera still and you take good pictures. (laughs) Boom. He avoided years of being traumatized by even my daughter thinks I'm horrible and found out his daughter still sees him as daddy. And it had nothing to do with his looks and everything to do with a particular talent he had. That's what happens when you think like a Martian. I love it, Corby. Well, I would like to put my thinking like a Martian hat on as well and not make any assumptions. So I do want to ask you, what do you think humanity needs the most? Kick in the pants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Humanity needs to think more us and less me. It needs less greed. It needs less fear. You know, there's a, a an African way of looking at things. If one wins, we all win. If we all win, one wins. In that, if you have an I don't, that's not joy. If we all have enough to eat, we all have a roof over our head, that's joy. And mankind has forgotten that. We need to get back to that. Thank you so much. So I'm going to ask you one last time if you would Mm -hmm. do me the honor and take one more look in the mirror. Okay. What do you see? I still got wrinkles. You didn't do that. (laughs) Um, She's a little calmer than she was. And um, the features are less stark. I don't want to say they're more homogenous because that makes me sound like I'm a pudding face. But 
they look like they go together now more than they did before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're seeing how it's all working together for you. Mm -hmm. Which is an enormous help. Thank you. (laughs) And you're a lot cheaper than plastic surgery, baby. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Corby. And how do people get in touch with you? How do they, like, how do they get in? Oh, they they can't avoid me. Um, (laughs) CorbyMitlide.com is the website. On Facebook, Fire Through Spirit. On Pinterest and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, Corby Mitlide. You can find me everywhere. And I'll remember it's M-I-T-L-E-I-D. Got to spell it right. Yes. I'll put the spelling in the show notes as well. Great. Thank you so much, Corby. And this is more fun than I thought it was going to be. I'll tell you. (laughs) You're usually the one doing the reading, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Wonderful. I enjoyed this so much as well. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With the rise of social media engagement and video conference calls, many people are feeling more self-conscious about seeing themselves face on. I believe that if you love yourself when you see yourself, you elevate humanity, which is why I've created programs to help people love who they see in the mirror. I wanna show you how to look at yourself with love, compassion, and acceptance, so you can share your strengths, presence, and talents with pride. The best part is we can work together one-on-one in a group program or even in person. Simply visit MarianneTelkovsky.com or follow me on Instagram at MarianneTelkovsky and we can get started right now on your path to radical self-acceptance, healthy aging, and building your radiant energy. Until next time, signing off, this is Marianne Telkovsky with Humanity Speaks.